Welcome to He's Dead Jim. We're watching Star Trek the original series one episode at a time. We've clocked season one and now we're ready for the very exciting opening episode of season two. I'm Mick McConnell and please welcome America's premier writer of erotic Star Wars fan fiction. It's Emily Lind. Hello. Good evening, Emily. How are you? I'm all right. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm excited. We're in a proper studio today. This is Ooh, so wild. That's fancy. Yeah, for once I don't have to, when we've got a guest over, I don't have to kick the family out of the house and set up a pirate radio station on the kitchen table. <laughs> so exciting. Coming to you from Briz Podcasting Hub, which is a very secretive TARDIS-like cupboard somewhere nice deep in, in the city. Uh, we've got a very special guest today. Our guest is a comedian and actor, star of the short film Matt Gaffney Must Die. All the way from Brisbane, please welcome Matt Gaffney. Oh, thank you very much. Thank you for yes. coming on, Matt. Oh, thanks for having me. Been waiting to be on this for so long. I know, we've talked yes. for ages. Oh, yeah, yeah. Though just when I heard there's a Star Trek podcast, it was like, finally, something I know stuff about. Wonderful. So, yeah. <laughs> Hey, and on our end, it's like, finally, a guest who knows about Star Trek. Yeah, there's that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's normally us introducing a noob to... Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've had guests that don't even know what Netflix is. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Ah. Um, so, not only have you asked to be on, and you're a Star Trek fan, you've come to me, you've picked an episode. Oh, yeah, yeah. So good. Yeah, so, season two opener, a muck time. I've always read it. I've read the episode title thinking it's like an alien word. I've just It's one of those words I've never seen written down. So Spock's about to run amok. He's going to run amok. I thought it was amok time. Yeah. <laughs> Some sort of Vulcan word. I don't know why that phrase has never come into our vernacular. Like, let's go and have an amok time. That's it. <laughs> yeah. We're going to have an amok time tonight. <laughs> We're going to yeah. run amok. Yes. So exciting. Um, so what made you pick this episode? Um... I like it because it's the first, like, I really love those Star Trek episodes where you'll have the alien, like, where in Next Gen, if you have a Worf episode where you learn about the Klingons, this one is where you learn about the Vulcans, you go to their home, um, you see Spock's family home, you learn about the Ponfar, all that sort of stuff, all the ritual, yeah, so it delves into, yeah, all the Vulcan culture, so I like that one for that, and the classic, that iconic sort of theme song, you know the one. Oh, so good. We yeah. finally we'll be our, singing it at some point. Our we? combat music, <laughs> yeah. which the yeah the theme in this episode has been parodied on so many things like The Simpsons. Uh, we had The Simpsons, Futurama, um, The Cable Guy. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Like, yeah. They're at that medieval town. Did you ever see The Cable Guy? No, I didn't. Yeah. I don't think I did. Yeah, well, they parodied, the, they parodied the fight bit. Or maybe I did. Yeah. Maybe I did. The, mm. the Jim Carrey movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Yeah. yeah. No, I did. definitely did. Many moons ago. Mm. Um, and that music features again again. Again and again, it sort yeah. of becomes the hand-to-hand combat theme. Yeah. But it's got a very exotic sort of feel about it. It's obviously written for Vulcan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's written for Spock. Yeah. Uh, what's your favourite Star Trek series, Matt? My favourite Star Trek series would have to be The Next Generation. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like the original one was the first one I saw when I was about nine years old, and I loved that. But Next Gen, I think, yeah, it's sort of like not that I don't mind the campiness of the original, and Next Gen is has its own element of campiness too. But yeah, some of the episodes sort of dig a bit deeper, and of course, Jean Luc Picard is, you know, what, are, what are you excited? Are you excited about the Picard show? Yes, yes, very. How do very. you feel about the name Star Trek Picard? Perfect. You're happy with it? it? Yeah. <laughs> It's it's perfect. We were not sold on it when we were talking about it last week when it first got announced. But I, I, I yeah, I'm I'm coming around to it. It was one of those ones. I remember the last episode of the Next Gen, All Good Things, where they had that flash forward to 25 years in the future, and now we're at that actual 25 years. And yeah, Patrick Stewart still looks as good as he did back oh, yeah. then. You know, it's amazing. I yeah. think I might like it better if it was just called Picard, maybe. Just Picard. But they did. They tried that with Enterprise and it didn't work without Star Trek in the title. Yeah, so they, they yeah. Three seasons in, they brought it, brought back the Star Trek brand. Yeah. Uh, that was my least favourite one. Yeah. I think, yeah. Oh, I do like a bit of Scott, Scott Buckula. Yeah. Were you a Quantum Leap fan? Um, it was a bit before my time. I would have been yeah. pretty young when it was on TV. Do you remember Quantum Leap, Emily? Oh, yeah. That was like weekly family viewing at yeah. my house. So good. I was more a Knight Rider guy. I yeah, think. yeah, yeah. 
Um, so we've all seen the, the teaser trailer for Picard that came out this week. Mm. Um, what do you think? It had, what are your first thoughts on that, Emily? I mean, it tells you literally nothing about the show, but I loved it. And honestly, I'd be 100% okay just watching Picard hang out in a vineyard all day. Yes. If so- that's the whole episode, him picking grapes and just testing wine. Yeah, that'd be fine. That's fine. Yeah, why not? <laughs> Yeah, it's 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 interesting. Um, just uh, so there's a voiceover. We don't know who the voice is, or have you got any idea who the voice is doing the narration? Ah, uh, God. Um, it'll be a new character that someone we've never come across. Yeah, probably. a Romulan, perhaps. Wow. There's talk of like the whole destruction of Romulus has something to do with the Picard series. Ooh, I like that. Yeah. And it just talks a bit about, you know, why did you leave Starfleet Picard? And it's just, you know, set in while the grapes are being harvested on yeah. his vineyard. Picks up perfectly from the final episode of yeah, Next yeah, Gen. Yeah. Um, if he just answers, because I'm nearly 80. I've yeah. Got to... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You've got to leave at some point. Yeah. But it's I'm, like... I'm really old. I saved the galaxy a whole bunch of times. I've nearly died a whole bunch of times. Leave me alone. Yeah. What do you want from me? God. <laughs> That's basically it. Um, a lot of the series, like the you know, series now, tend to go pretty dark. Like Discovery is pretty dark. And in Picard, there's, there's obviously plenty of fodder there. He was assimilated into the Borg. Yeah. There'd be plenty to haunt his dreams. Yeah. I wonder how dark they're going to go. I'm just remember, remember he did live another 40 years of some other life in the span of 25 minutes that one time so whatever ptsd he's had that experience might have sort of evened it out i think i hope so that's good talking about the inner light yeah yeah yeah. where he um what's he one of the best star trek episodes of all time it is so good yeah i yeah i turn my housemate who hates star trek around with that episode it's like yes I challenge anyone to not like yeah, it. Yeah, after seeing that one, yeah. So Kirk, is his brain's taken over by a probe and everyone thinks he's passed out or he's dying or something. Yeah, yeah. Meanwhile, he's living another 40-year life in you know the space of a few minutes yeah. or whatever. He has grandkids, he's tending to a garden, he learns the flute. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's great. Wears a really short robe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, good way to offset PTSD from the Borg. Yeah. Um, so we've got a couple of, Emily, do you have any questions for the witness before we get on to our meritocracy quiz? I don't think so. I think that meritocracy quiz will cover them. So I was going to ask, who's your guy, Matt, in Star Trek? Oh, there's so many. Um, well, we already, we already discussed Picard, obviously Picard. He's your captain. Um, he definitely is my captain. Um... I also say Worf as well. Yeah, because he's a series of he's a series of contradictions. Yeah. So like he's a sort of character you could peel back, and there's sort of more you could learn. Like when they brought him in Deep Space Nine, I thought, ah, oh, we we know all there is to know about Worf, but there was so much more about him. Oh yeah. You know. Yeah, no, he features in so many episodes yeah. of Trek. He might be in more than any any other character. Yeah, yeah. He goes on, like, he raves on about his Klingon pride and traditions and all that sort of stuff, but when he's hanging around actual Klingons, he's just a total outsider. Yeah. So, yeah. So he's, he's a bit like the Spock character in Next Gen, isn't he? The guy that he's from both worlds and doesn't really fit into either. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if other Vulcans really dislike Spock. Oh, no, he got bashed a lot when he was a child. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah. I never saw how... I don't know. I don't remember any much interaction with Vulcans, with Spock as an adult, apart from his dad. Yeah, I think that there's that sort of struggle of where do I belong? And yeah. Which which world do I fit in? And and trying to prove himself as a Vulcan. I yeah. Think there's a bit of that. Well, that's why so many outsiders relate to Star Trek. Yeah. Because yeah. they they. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's it. Mm. Uh, so our meritocracy quiz, the first question is, what job would you choose to do if you're on the Enterprise, Matt? Uh, bartender. Nice. With Guinan. Oh, I, I would have Guinan as my boss. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. That'd be awesome. Yeah. So good. Um, and less pressure. Like, don't 
trust me with the warp engines or command decisions. <laughs> God. It's pretty important oh, man. for crew morale. Though. Yeah, just keep yeah. up morale. Play some music occasionally. It's all synth the whole anyway, yeah. so there's no bar fights. Start a comedy club in 10 forward. It'll be great. Oh, that'd be sweet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which alien race would you like to be? Oh, which alien a race? member of. Oh, that's a good one. Um... Oh, 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 oh. Right. Um, oh. Oh, wow. <laughs> They've all got their sort of merit. Um, no, Vulcans would be boring after a while. Like, they'd be good to go to Vulcan just to chill out and relax, but if you live there forever, that would drive you mad. Yeah. Um... Klingons would be a bit much. You just want to say, hey, calm down, you guys. Um, you know what? I'd say Romulan. Nice. Because they've got that sort of nice. element of that Vulcan arrogance and that sort of cling. Yeah, so they've got that balance. Yeah. They're passionate. Yeah. Fantastic. So Romulans. Yeah, there I'd be go. a Romulan. Who's your Romulan? Uh, who's my Romulan? Uh, I'd say... Um, Tashi Yar's daughter, what's her name? Oh, yeah. Sila. Who looks exactly the same yeah. as Tashi Yeah, she's a half-human, but she hates all humans. Nice. So, <laughs> yeah. Very good. Who I suspect we might see her in the Picard series. Who oh, knows? that'd be fantastic. Yeah. That'd be so good. Yeah, I always felt quite bad for that actress um, just sort of being booted out after the first season and... Or, or was it during the first season? I think it just didn't sort of quite work. But is then, there is there a story behind that? Why she was booted out or just was? I think the character just didn't really work. She played it very straight and it was quite boring. Yeah. I think there's a bit of that. Um, but when she came back and reprised the role, she was excellent. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I'm glad she And she's it. there in the final episode. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the story. Does that sound right, Emily? Yeah, I think so. Something to that effect. Uh, what food would you replicate first, Matt? Oh, Hasparat. Hasparat? Uh, Bajoran burrito. <laughs> oh, that sounds... Oh. Every time they talk about how spicy that Hasparat is, I was like, yep, I want some of that. Nice. Yeah. And uh, final question, what would you most like to do in the holodeck? Oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> um, this one I, can go south pretty quickly. Oh, yeah, look, remember that time... Yeah, Tuvok was going through his anger management issues and he strangled Neelix on the holodeck. <laughs> yeah, I'd play that 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 program a few times. <laughs> so would you Sorry to all the Neelix fans out there, but that guy's annoying. Ah, there you go. So specifically yeah. you want to strangle Neelix. Strangle Neelix. Would you ever get bored of doing that? <laughs> <laughs> Poor Neelix. Yeah. Okay, we're going to crack on with our episode. This week we, we watched Amok Time, which yes. is the first episode from Season 2. Uh, it originally aired on NBC on September 15, 1967. So it was still in the same year. It was written by Joseph Pevney and directed by Theodore Sturgeon. What a great name. Uh, the episode opens with McCoy and Kirk... Uh, walking through the Enterprise corridors. McCoy catches up with Kirk because he's uh, concerned Spock's been acting a bit weird lately. Hmm. Uh, he's very nervous and he hasn't, Spock hasn't eaten anything in three days. And Kirk thinks Which, that... I guess I thought it was weird that apparently this is something that is monitored. You're eating, yeah. How often people are eating? Yeah, I guess maybe it is or maybe somebody from the kitchen or something flagged. Does McCoy get a report out of everybody's replicator? Yeah. I suppose, yeah, on a spaceship. Like, if they have to sort of regulate um, replicator rations and all that sort of stuff, they would. Yeah. Yeah, they would know. This is... this. I think this could be my new favourite thing in Star Trek is Kirk and McCoy just marvelling at the weird stuff Spock's doing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it is total workplace bullying with those three. Oh, it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All the time. Yeah. Very problematic for mm. Starfleet HR. Um, Kirk thinks this is, you know, just sounds like Mr. Spock in one of his contemplative phases. And I love this. Nurse Chapel is walking to Kirk's quarters with a tray of food when she uh, spots Kirk and McCoy and tries to quickly turn around and hide. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's too late. And McCoy calls her over and checks out the food. 
Uh, it's a cool purple-coloured soup. And McCoy says, oh, it's Vulcan Plumique soup. You never give up hoping, do you? <laughs> I feel bad for Nurse Chapel. She's had a thing for Spock forever and he's just not interested. She doesn't but give she, up. Yeah. Oh, so the episode would have been better if it was um, to Pring and Nurse Chapel fighting over Spock. Oh, that would have been, been cool. <laughs> Well, there's a point here where I thought they're actually going to get together. Um, not to start off with, though. So Nurse Chapel gives a nervous, very nervous, stammering excuse about how Spock hasn't eaten and she just happened to notice. And McCoy tells her to carry on. And uh, Kirk and McCoy watch on amused as Nurse Chapel takes the food into Spock's quarters. Uh, Kirk's not convinced there's anything wrong with Spock, but McCoy tells him that Spock threatened to break his neck the other day when he suggested it was time for his routine checkup. So, bit of bit of out of character behaviour. Yeah, but McCoy's always been giving it to Spock, so yeah. it's only a matter of time before he flips out. <laughs> Just like you and Neelix, it's about time. <laughs> Um, and then suddenly they're interrupted by Spock yelling, what is this? And Nurse Chapel screams and runs out of his quarters and she's followed by the flying bowl of soup that smashes up against the corridor wall and splatters all this purple soup everywhere. <laughs> and now um, Kirk, I think, is starting to realise that there might actually be a problem here. Um, Spock goes to sort of barge out of his door and then sort of looks up and... Sees the captain and McCoy and realises he might be in a bit of strife now. Uh, yeah. Oh, before that he yells, yeah, don't keep prying. If I want anything from you, I'll ask for it. Uh, and then Spock asks for a leave of absence on Vulcan and refuses to explain why and just slams his door shut as much as you can slam an automated door shut. And then we roll the intro. Yeah. Why he just didn't come clean straight away? Why yeah. they have to be so tight-lipped about, you know, yeah, if you've got a problem, guys, talk to your best friends about it. Yeah, yeah. Don't go all mad and do a soup rage. <laughs> I mean, it seems, it seems at the very least slightly illogical to have the secrecy around this. You're going to die because nobody knows what's going on. Yeah, that's right. So, yeah, Spock is... Vulcans are just really embarrassed about their sexuality. Uh, that's They brought that up in Voyager as well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, the EMH was just like, oh, for an enlightened species, you're really Victorian about your your values, aren't you? you know. Yeah, I guess it's two things. There's sort of shame about it and also just he is in this completely illogical state mm. so he can't really make rational decisions. Yeah, yeah. Uh, after the intro, Kirk's trying to interrogate Spock but he won't explain why he must take leave on Vulcan. Um, Spock's never taken leave before so he's got heaps stored up and Kirk uh, suggests, you know, when they get to Altair 6 that they're already on course for, why not take leave there? Because the shore leave facilities are excellent. And Spock just freaks out and yells, no, I must. And uh, he just tries to compose himself and just says, I wish to take my leave on Vulcan. And we see that Spock behind him is holding a pointy object, a bit like an ice pick. Yeah. What was he going to do with that? <laughs> I don't know what it is for starters. Like, what yeah. is this thing? Uh, and he's just in one hand's all tense he's and all shaking, shaking yeah. and the other hand's just, you know, you can see the struggle. The other yeah. hand's just holding his weaponized hand back. Uh, as Kirk leans over to hail the bridge to tell him to set a course for Vulcan, he glances and spots the weapon, but he just, um, you know, casually makes an effort, exit, makes a bit of lighthearted conversation, doesn't bring attention to it. That's a good best friend, isn't it? That's a very good you best know, friend. You know, someone who sees you in your worst state and he's like, yeah, it's cool, it's, it's Spock. This guy's about to murder me. Yeah, I forgive you. I would. That's probably the point <laughs> where you put security outside his door and confine him to quarters. Yeah, though. yeah. Because next, next shot we see is Spock working on the bridge. Yeah. Yeah, just like normal. Like it's no big deal. And we get to meet Chekhov for the first time. Yeah, yeah. It's not Yay. a big... <laughs> no, he's just sort of there. Yeah. Yeah, we get to know him, yeah. How would you describe Chekhov's hair? Um, What's his name from the monkeys? Davy Jones? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's very... Yeah, oh, there you go. It almost looks like a wig. Is it yeah. a wig? I think so. It's just... Very awesome. He was a young man in his early 20s. He didn't need a wig, did he? (laughs) No, probably not. But that was good, that little sort of comic relief. Yeah. Between, yeah, with uh, Sulu and Chekhov. Yeah, yep. And they're 
the course keeps getting changed yeah. backwards and forwards. We're going to Vulcan, we're not going to Vulcan, we're back on yeah. our Altair mission and they're just confused as to <laughs> which way they're going. It almost made me wish like the series never got to explore their sort of friendship. Like it was there. Like the mm-hmm. Yeah, the Chekhov and Sulu friendship. Yeah. Like it was them just sort of making remarks to the side and Sulu sort of rolling his eyes occasionally and whatnot, but yeah. Yeah, it'd be good to see yeah, an episode with them on shore leave. Just hanging yeah. out. We sort of, I think, maybe a bit later in this season, we get Sulu and a couple of the others on shore leave, I think. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> checking, we get Chekhov's accent. He talks a bit about setting a course for Walken. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Message comes in from Starfleet ordering the uh, Enterprise to be at Altair. I've written it. I think it's Altair 6 or Altair. Anyway, it's a planet called Altair something. Altair 6, you're correct. Excellent. Uh, a day early, so they can't stop at Vulcan. That night, you know, Kirk wakes during a restless sleep and hails Chekhov just to check, you know, could they sneak in a quick diversion to Vulcan and how late would they be? And uh, Chekhov informs him that Mr. Spock has already ordered them to go to Vulcan. And Spock doesn't recall doing this. He, he accept, yeah. takes Kirk at his word and said, oh, I'm. I believe you that I did, but I don't remember doing it. Uh. Confine him to quarters immediately. Um, Kirk escorts Spock to the sick bay, um, and he still won't explain anything that's going on. <laughs> I like the music in this. The music seems to step up a level in season two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's big and grand. We get a combination of sort of spooky sci-fi music. But uh, a bit of Western movie theme with sort of Spock seems to have his own theme on the sort of the bass strings of the guitar. There's a few great Spock musical interludes. Not so much in this. Yeah, this one in particular. Yeah. Or the Mind Meld one. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that one with it's just a, just a guitar, just an acoustic guitar? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that do 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 Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. That's that sort of starts. You get these motifs or whatever starting throughout the episode and it's got like yeah it's like real western has got tremolo pedal. yeah 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 it's wild McCoy after examining um, Spock he bursts into Kirk's office and says Jim if you don't get Spock to Vulcan within a week he'll die very dramatic uh, Kirk asks if Spock knows what the cause is and McCoy replies he does and a thousand points if anyone can complete this sentence he's as tight lipped about it as an well, I've written this down, so that's kind of cheating. <laughs> you want to have a guess, Emily? Oh, I don't remember. I, I noted that it was something weird, and I was like, oh, I should look that up to see if it's ever mentioned again, but I did not. Have you, Matt, for an open book for a oh, thousand okay. points? Yeah, the, the Alder- Aldebaran, how do you pronounce it? Aldebaran Shellmouth. Yeah, yeah. Yes. I think he puts a bit of Georgian spin on a bit of a, an Aldebaran Shellmouth. Shellmouth. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I feel sorry for the subtitlers for all of these. I've got to guess is how yeah. this is spelled. That's what I love in Star Trek, where they're just like, oh, you look as small as... You could just say mouse. Yeah, you yeah. look as small as a Rigelian field mouse. <laughs> just say mouse. Because <laughs> yeah. there's, there's such a like, wide swing on that, whether they go with the made-up sci-fi thing or something from Earth in the era of when the show was being written, they should have no idea about. They just have to remind us we're in space. Yeah. Every once in a while. Yeah, it's either space or something very 60s America. <laughs> very specific <laughs> yeah. to when the show is on. Kirk goes to find answers and uh, we see Spock is looking at a photo of a young girl on his computer screen. That's a bit weird. Isn't that it? is a bit, <laughs> seems a bit <laughs> off. We later found out he was betrothed to her when he was seven, so he was young too. It's, it's okay. Yeah, but I mean, couldn't he have some updated pictures? Yeah, yeah, I think so. He's stalking his ex on social media. Yeah. Or his current wife or whatever. It she does is. look very yeah. sus and it quickly turns the screen it off. It does quickly <laughs> turn the screen off. <laughs> bit, bit sus. Um, Spock finally yields to Kirk's questions and explains it has to do with biology. Spock is going through a madness which strips away the veneer of civilization. It's called the Ponfar. Yeah. Spock is very toey. Kirk is an idiot in this scene. He's like, <laughs> like, you know, he's like, it's got to do with biology. What, what do you mean, biology? 
And Spock's rolling his eyes. Vulcan biology? You mean the biology of Vulcans? Yes, Kirk. That's what he means. <laughs> Kirk tries to start explaining the birds and the bees to him. Yeah. yeah, oh, God. <laughs> um, so it's the time of mating, and the music slowly moves into this melody that later becomes the combat the theme. song, yeah. Oh, so good. Um, Spock talks about how salmon on Earth must return home to the same stream yeah. and try to spawn or die trying. Spock is driven by forces he cannot control. He must return home and take a wife or die. So dramatic, so tense. By the way, I love that it's, it's taking a wife. Yeah. <laughs> like you, can't, you can't just be like, he's got to go have sex. He has to take a wife. Yeah, yep. Yeah, it's got to be above board. Yeah, yeah. No, out of wedlock for Vulcans. Um, Kirk and McCoy contact the Admiral and uh, request uh, they head to Vulcan, but Kirk won't explain why. So this is completely ridiculous at this point. Uh, And the mission at Altair's, uh, it's a very important diplomatic mission, so Kirk's request is denied. Um and Spock is trying to stay calm and deal with this bad news that he's going to die now. <laughs> and he's in his uh, quarters playing the Vulcan harp, yes. trying to stay calm. Uhura hails Spock, and, and uh, he gets up and just yells out, leave me alone, and smashes his oh, fist down yeah, on the computer. Oh, I love that, he smashes the computer. <laughs> That's clearly made of clay, too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no glass or anything. Man. Or maybe 24th century computers are just purely yeah, clay, soft clay. Clay and cardboard. Yeah. <laughs> Kirk doesn't believe this Altair mission is that important. Apparently there's you know two other starships going, so he doesn't care if they're a daylight. Mm. So he orders them to head to Vulcan at warp 8 to save Spock's life. Nurse Chapel... If only they just use the spore drive. Oh, yeah. You know. It's just been there the whole time. Emily doesn't even know about this spore <laughs> oh, drive. Oh, sorry. Spoilers and all that. <laughs> have you have you heard of the spore drive at least, Emily? No. What is it? Oh, okay. We'll leave you spoiler free. Oh, okay. Okay. No, Emily hasn't gotten into Discovery. Oh, yet. right. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. It's not on Netflix in the States. You oh, be, you're not going to pay for the CBS thing. CBS All Access. Uh, I'll pay for it when Picard comes out. <laughs> And then yeah. I'll just watch the Discovery then. I think that's going to be on Amazon Prime or something. I think in the States it'll be on CBS All Access. Like, yeah, they'd be right. mad, mad not to put it on their own channel. But the crazy thing is they've launched 10 All Access here and mm. it sounds like it's not going to be on there. It's going to be on Amazon Prime worldwide. A bit like Discovery's on Netflix. Every sort of update I see, they always go, and for you people in Europe and Canada, I was like, well, <laughs> <laughs> all right. It's wild. Um... So Nurse Chapel creeps into Spock's quarters while he's sleeping, which she's insane. She's likely to be strangled or who knows what. She never gives up, does she? No, she doesn't. Um, Spock wakes up and he talks about how he's, he had a dream where Nurse Chapel was trying to tell him something and he couldn't hear it. And he declares that it would be illogical for them to protest against their natures, so it's likely they're going to get it on. Spock's just teasing. He's just being a joke. <laughs> oh. This is a point like he's like, she's crying. And yeah. he says, your face is wet. <laughs> yeah. Like, Fox doesn't know what tears are. <laughs> your uh. face is wet. He's in this mad lovemaking trance. Um, when the, the solution is right there. He doesn't yeah. have to go, like, yeah, yeah. come on. Live happily ever after. Yeah. Um, Spock asks her to make some more plumic soup. And he calls her Miss Chapel, and she says, my name is Christine. And he agrees and calls her Christine. So I think this is the first episode we sort of get Spock, you know, agreeing to call people by their first name. Spock asks McCoy to accompany him to the planet, or Kirk and McCoy to accompany him to the planet for the ceremony as his closest friends. At the bridge, uh, we get a young, beautiful Vulcan woman appearing on the screen just as Nurse Chapel enters, so it's awkward as, yeah. and asks, what's going on? Uh, how would you describe uh, T'Pring's hair? How would you describe her hair? On the screen. Sort of a, like, a, it's almost a beehive, I think. Yeah, it's, it's that 60s beehive thing, but, yeah. And we see later she's got the cool s- silver sci-fi dress. Yeah, 60s. yeah. 
Yeah. Anything else to add for... Oh, that scene. Oh, the women on the bridge all stopped in their tracks. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, my God, she's with you, Spark? <laughs> <laughs> Any other um, updates for the Tupring fashion report? I mean, it's a lot. It's, there's a lot going on. There's some serious eye make. It's almost yeah. silver eye makeup, I think. It's pretty yeah. cool. And she's, yeah, like harsh. She's got really pronounced features. I remember seeing that when eyes. I was about nine years old and still being beside him with her. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. And just just that real ice cold sort of logic, and yeah, it just comes right through in a look. Um, Spock, it is I, and then Spock replies to Pring, parted from me and never parted. We meet at the appointed place, and to Pring, you know, responds back. So it's almost like they're saying sort of vows or something. Yeah. And Hora says, "Mr. Spock, she's lovely. Who is she?" And Spock declares, "She is to Pring, my wife." Spock's Man, got a real sense. Man, Chapel. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, brutal. He's got a real sense of the dramatic, doesn't he? Yeah. Like, yeah. this whole time they've been friends, he never mentioned he's been married. Um, when his parents came on board that time, they would have been flying to Vulcan that whole time. They're sort of like, yeah, we're picking up the ambassador. They, he never once decided to mention that they're his parents. Yeah, that's right. Until they were right there. <laughs> yeah, he's got no time for talking about his personal life. Yeah. He just wants to drop bombshells. I think he just likes the attention like yeah, that. Yeah, massive know? twists. He <laughs> yeah. loves it. Um, Nurse Chapel looks extremely pissed off. Yeah. And Kirk raises his eyebrows sort of slightly in a way that looks like he's surprised, but he's also very amused. He's, I mean, he's, he's, I think he's, he's grown accustomed to just really weird twists, weird curveballs coming from Spock. Yeah. To the point where nothing's really going to rattle him anymore. Yeah, uh, being friends with Spock would be a good time. You'd, oh, you'd just be at surprise after surprise, you know, yeah. after 100 years of friendship. Who knows what'll happen next? Oh, man. Until yeah. you're up against him when he's trying to fight you. Yeah, you have it. to fight him to the death. <laughs> <laughs> On planet Vulcan, we get our first look at Vulcan. Yeah. Emily, how would you describe the planet Vulcan as depicted uh, in this episode? It, I would say it is a brownish orange. Mm. And that is that is mostly what we see is brownish orange and desolate. Yeah, it's very orange sort of sunset. Um, so the the landing party beamed down. Kirk, the best man, and his and groomsman McCoy. Just one thing. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, are you guys going with the sort of digitally remastered 2000s version or the original? Yeah, I'm when... watching on Netflix. So, oh, okay, yeah. yeah. But when they have that overhead shot, they've got that arena area, and they have that thing that's in a lot of sci-fi, that big platform with no railings. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's always on the Death Star and whatnot. Yep. Like, why don't people fall off those more often? The Force Awakens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Which is deliber- often deliberately designed for a hero's death. To yeah, yeah, off. yeah. Yeah, that's right. And um, so, yeah, this added CGI shot. You've got the sort of tiny figures of the three guys walking along this this massive stone yeah. bridge across the cliffs. And and Spock mentions that these lands have been in in his family for generations or some shit. Yeah, like two thousand Earth years. The Spock family. Yeah. Yep. Um, and it's sort of. I guess that CGI shot's added in to just give it a bit more scale. Yeah. It's so huge, and you can see, like, a city in the background. Yeah. So I don't know what it sort of replaced. Probably just them walking past, you know, styrofoam rocks or something. <laughs> um, it reminded me a little bit of the Jabba's Palace exteriors from Return of the Jedi. Yeah, Maybe yeah, kind of. added shots, but, it, it, of course, uh, except this is super red. Um, and they arrive at, you know, it's a kind of alien Stonehenge with a monument in the middle. It's got a big sort of jade gong or some sort of bright green, green gong. Spock says, this is our place of Kunut Khalifi. And Spock hits the gong and says the marriage party approaches. And Kirk's confused and he says, marriage party? You said T'Pring was your wife. And Spock explains that it was by their parents' arrangement. There was a ceremony when they were seven Less than a marriage, but more than a betrothal. They did a mind meld and felt each other's thoughts. Uh, their minds were locked together so that at the proper time, they would both be drawn to Kunat Khalifi. Emily, have you ever been? Have you ever felt drawn to Kunat Khalifi? Um, 
Fortunately, no, because I think this whole ceremony looks super annoying. <laughs> oh, yeah. How about you, Matt? Um, oh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, too much. Yeah, for something that's so urgent and that he's going to die in eight days, there's a lot of faffing about, isn't there? Oh, yeah. Uh, the and there's these chimes that are kind of like if you had a rectangular tambourine. Yeah. Yeah, yeah just constant rattling tambourines it's like the salvation army are there <laughs> um the wedding party approaches with uh powerful vulcan patriarch to power yeah being carried on sort of a throne uh, and kirk ha- fanboys over her yeah he's yeah. like oh my god look it's like he's seeing beyonce or something yeah yeah like, oh, it's to power. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like super powerful you know vulcan um Kirk recognises her immediately and she's apparently she was the first person to ever turn down a seat on the Federation Council. Yeah. Uh, and there was a young T'Pau in episodes of Enterprise. Yeah, I believe. In the final season where it started to get good. Nice. Yeah. Is that sort of during the war where they sort of step it up a bit? Um, there's No, there was a three-parter <laughs> with the whole... Yeah, the factions on Vulcan, the sort of logic extremists and the people who want to do all the mind meldy stuff. And T'Pau was the leader of the rebels. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh. Hmm. Um, has a thick Austrian accent. I know that because I looked up the actress and she's Austrian, so I assume that's the accent she's doing. Um, and she intermittently sort of speaks in old English, so it's super weird. Uh. Um yeah, Vulcans say thou and thee and all that sort of stuff. Do they yeah. not, do they normally do that? Sure. Or is it just in this? Just in this. Okay. Oh, on Star Trek three, they yeah they had sort of a similar sort of thing going on when they brought Spock back to life. Wow. Yeah. Um, and she says Spock are our ceremonies for outworlders, and Spock says these are not outworlders; they are my friends. Um, T'Pau declares Califar, <laughs> but um. T'Ping raises a hand to stop Spock from hitting the gong and yells, Khalifi! I feel like I'm watching Game of, Game of Thrones with a Dothraki or something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And the music gets real aggressive all of a sudden and T'Pau has chosen the challenge. Spock walks off into a corner. He's sort of crazed and in a bit of a trance, sort of clasping his hands. Yeah. Kirk tries to talk to him, but T'Pau warns, do not speak with him, Kirk. He is deep in the pack towel, the blood, blood fever. fever. And we get a shot of Spock with his eyes rolled back in his head. It's kind of like a yeah. horror movie. Just <laughs> scary Spock in this one. Oh, man, yeah. so full on. He will not speak with thee again until uh, he has passed through what is to come. Uh, we get shots of a male Vulcan who looks like a bigger, stronger version of Spock. Uh, so we assume this is the champion he's got to fight. Uh, and T'Pring agrees uh, to be the property of the victor, whoever wins the fight. Uh, but in a surprise twist, T'Pring chooses Kirk as her champion. Um, Kirk agrees like an idiot without understanding that this is a fight to the death. And Yeah, maybe ask the rules before you agree. Oh, yeah. definitely. He, he just didn't want to... His whole thing, oh, I don't want to look bad in front of T'Pau. Yeah, like, that oh, was a big okay. thing, yeah. She represents all of oh. them. I can't, can't be weak. She's going to be food. saying bad stuff about Kirk from now on. Yeah. And the other thing is, McCoy, yeah, McCoy didn't think that Spock could take the other guy. Uh, I've written down his name a bit further down. Um, but uh, So I think Kirk just wants to fight and lose so Spock can get married. But she must have known that, like... Aren't Vulcans three times as strong as humans or something? Yeah, yeah. So T'Pring would have known that, yeah, Spock would have annihilated him. Yeah, yeah. Let me see. They're given staff weapons that look a bit like the paddles from the TV show American Gladiators. Or as we know it in Australia as Gladiators. (laughs) Uh, Except one end of the staff is sharp as fuck. (laughs) And um, they finally, oh, finally we get this combat music. Yeah. Do you want to have a crack at it, Matt? So, so good. Yeah. Excellent. Well done, sir. Yeah. yeah. Do you want to? Do you want to chime in, Emily? Should we harmonise? No, I'm okay. Oh, we can start okay. from the beginning with a doom, doom. Oh yeah. Doom. So good. 
and, and so forth. My yeah. voice is toned, <laughs> I don't do it justice. Deaf. My voice is tone deaf, so I won't ruin it. But so yeah. good. So for those Simpsons fans out there, you'd recognise it from oh, that episode. Did, yeah, from the episode where uh, Homer's where an Homer astronaut goes to space. And has to yeah. fight Barney to see who goes <laughs> yeah. to space. I wager was it four four hundred quat lose on the newcomer, <laughs> yeah. which I think we get this series. We actually get that yeah. um, that battle. So McCoy appeals to, to power. The air is too hot and too thin. He has an injection that he can give Kirk that will help him to breathe and give him a chance. Is that an unfair advantage or just a fair advantage? I think a fair advantage. Like at this point, Kirk's... You're so allowed that, to drug the competitor a little bit? I think so. A bit of blood doping. Oh. Um, so at this point, Kirk's had his shirt slashed open and he's got sort of a... It's that obligatory gash. thing. I think Will yeah, Shatner yeah. says, "Do I? oh, we're having a fight scene. Do I get my shirt off? Got to get the pecs out. Oh, no, we just get the yeah the shot of just the Kirk boobs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he gets the injection and now they're onto the next round where they're given... The weapons are just a rope sort of thing. I a strangly rope. Where the spot so doesn't hesitate. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just trips him up. <laughs> Yeah, Spock's kind of lassoing him. And after a bit of a struggle, Spock strangles Kirk to death. Yeah. Wow. First episode of season two, the captain's dead. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Spock is calm and logical again now. He's back to normal. Which, that was his fetish all along. Yeah. (laughs) You know. (laughs) He didn't want to have sex. He just wanted to murder Kirk. Yeah. He's been waiting to do that for so long. He's visibly deflated now. He... um, He's technically in command and he orders McCoy to beam up with Kirk's body and instruct Chekhov to plot a course for the nearest starbase where Spock will hand himself in to the authorities. That's very grim. Um, Spock asks uh, to Pring to explain why she chose the challenge and why she chose Kirk as her champion. And she replies that Ston wanted her and she wanted him. She goes on to explain that Spock has become famous among their people and she didn't want to be the consort of a legend. Which is fair enough. Yeah. I think. I think so. Yeah. Uh, She reasoned that if Kirk won, he would not want her, so she would be free to be with Ston. If Spock won, he would free her because she dared to challenge. Uh, Then she would have Ston. And I like this, but this is ice cold. Uh, if he refused to free her, it would be the same to bring, uh, explains, for you would be gone and I would have your name and your property and Ston would still be there. So it's cold as fuck. Um, Spock thinks this is excellent logic. This is logical, flawlessly logical. <laughs> yeah. And to bring replies, I am honoured. So this is the fitting end to the weirdest yeah. ceremony of all time. Yeah. Um, Spock says, Ston, she is yours. But he slips in a bit of a burn here. After a time, you may find having is not so pleasing a thing after all as wanting. It is not logical, but it is often true. Um, Spock wishes to power, live long and prosper. We get a bit of that. Um, and to power replies, live long and prosper, Spock. But Spock replies, I shall do neither. I have killed my captain and my friend. And with that, he beams back aboard the Enterprise to surrender himself. And, of course, Kirk pops out of the background and surprises him by being alive and well. Yes, with a big old smile from Spock. Yeah, yes. yeah. Massive grin. Um, Spock, Spock says, says, Captain Jim, and he's so excited. He's just about <laughs> to hug him, and then he realises, oh, shit, I'm supposed to be a Vulcan, and then pretends... Um, and he says, uh, uh, I'm pleased to see you, Captain. You seem uninjured. And McCoy uh, makes nurse, poor old Nurse Chapel leave so that he can get the gossip on to Pring. Yeah, yeah. Spock says, uh, when he thought he had killed Kirk, he lost all interest in to Pring. The madness was over. And that means he won't be interested in Nurse Chapel anymore. So well, poor nurse the whole point for was supposed to be you've got a mate, and he didn't even do that. Yeah. But he was fine. So does that mean he's free for life I now? think that might be a thing that Vulcan males just say uh. to people. Oh, come on, I'm going to die otherwise. <laughs> well, I was I was reading the Wikipedia article on it, and the idea you either have to go through the mating, like, wedding ceremony, or you have to go through the challenge ceremony. It's like either or. Yeah, yep. So either of those somehow will... The biology of that is slightly confusing. Yeah, yeah. But 
You have to have, have some to either sex or, or violence. So it has yeah. to be done on Vulcan too. Must be the right act. And there's got to be, I think there's got to be the tambourine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so all you need to do is just make the air thinner in Spock's quarters, somebody plays tambourine, and then let him pretend to choke someone out. Yeah. Oh, also, Bones just brought a neuroparalyzer to Vulcan. He's so for clever. Some reason. Yeah, you never know when it might come in handy. I don't know. Maybe he's an addict and he's been shooting up <laughs> yeah. on neural paralyzers. I mean, is that just is that part of his regular like med kit? No, I think that I think seems he's insane. I think he's been microdosing on neural paralyzers. <laughs> <laughs> he's got a terrible problem. Do you remember the the Ponfar being referenced in Star Trek Three? When they're on the Genesis planet? I don't. I don't. Tell us about that. Oh, that's when um, Spock was aging rapidly. Oh, yes. And so. Oh, yeah. So it's an accelerated. Yeah, so he's going thing. through the Ponfar heaps. Is that because he went into the reactor and saved everyone's lives? Yeah, yeah. and then he went on to the Genesis planet where he got re- reborn. Oh, yeah. And then what's her name? <sighs> Lieutenant Savick. Wow. Yeah, so she and Spock got it on over and over. Like. To save his life, obviously, Just, yeah. Well, I had a massive Ponfire festival. And there's some fan fiction that sort of suggested maybe she had Spock's baby. Oh, wow. Yeah. There you go. Just one. But of those. it's never canon, I suppose, yeah. Yep. Just one of those Ponfire babies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It happens. So many of them. Uh, what else do we get? Uh, oh, yeah, so at the end, an emergency message comes in from Starfleet uh, saying that to power... Um, Oh, their, their trip to Vulcan is approved. And so Kirk's off the hook for breaking orders. So it's all wrapped up nicely. And Kirk sort of is amused by the fact they couldn't turn down a request from T'Pau. And they set course for Altair 6. Any other final thoughts for this episode? Final thoughts on this episode? Um, more series set on Vulcan. Yeah. Like, you know when you get a little taste of that home and you go, oh, like a planet-bound... Don't you reckon? Yeah, especially like it's it's like Vulcans are their allies and it's meant to be this sort of friendly civilization. Yeah. It's just so exotic and, you know, frightening sort of ceremony. It's so and they're exciting. vicious. There's a viciousness underneath all that sort of logic. Yeah. It's so, which I find so exciting cold. too, yeah. Yeah. yeah well, yeah, because the whole idea is that they they do the logic thing in order to quell the violence. Yeah. So it's still there. And every now and then. It oh, and this is the up. first episode. This is the first episode where we see the Vulcan salute. Yeah, yeah. Live long and prosper. Which, yeah, they stole off a rabbi. I thought they were going to high five to yeah. high five salute. <laughs> Which is the same as a nanu nanu. There you go. So yeah. that's stolen from a rabbi. Yeah, yeah. The, the story was like Leonard Nimoy in in the temple. Like, all the congregation had to shut their eyes while the rabbi did his blessing or whatever. Yeah. And then he saw the rabbi do the two Vulcan salutes. It's and then he thought, ah, I want to use that. That's fascinating. Mm. It's, it's got a sort of a huh. temple sort of feel, this. Yeah. And maybe even like a like Hindu ceremony. It seems to have elements from, I don't know, from lots of different yeah. religions that, are, that appear exotic to your Midwestern American yeah, TV yeah, yeah. watcher, TV viewer. Um, so this we've got an exciting season coming up next time we've got Who Mourns for Adonis ah oh, yeah cracker of an episode <laughs> so I'm excited for that so join us for that next time uh, Matt have you got anything you'd like to plug anything I'd like to plug um, oh if you want to have a look at my film that I made Matt Gaffney Must Die just put it into Google it, you'll find it on YouTube it's there for the public to enjoy or whatever they want to do with it Fantastic. have a look at that um, I'll have other stuff I'll be writing in the near future. So if you like that, um, follow my comedy page on Facebook, just Matt Gaffney Comedy. Um, yes, that's that's all I've got to plug for now. So good. Thanks so much for coming Oh, on, thanks man. for having me. Yeah. Oh, yeah, thank you. Yeah, it's good to meet you finally, Emily. Yeah. Definitely, if, uh, if you've been to a few... Um, comedy gigs around Brisbane you might recognise some familiar faces in Matt Gaffney must oh yeah 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 yeah. there's a few cameos in there just a few awesome cameos very good Uh, Emily how can we follow you on the uh, Starfleet computer Um, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at 
E.S. Lind, and I also do a Star Wars podcast called The Cantobite Dispatch, and that's on Twitter at Cantobite Pod. Excellent. Cool. Excellent podcast. Um, you can follow us. We're at He's Dead Jim on the socials, uh, and we've got a Facebook group. He's Deaders, just uh, follow our He's Dead Jim page if you want to chat about this episode. And uh, we love your emails too. If you want to email through a question or a topic to chat about, he's dead Jim Pod at gmail.com. Thank you very much. Thank you. Have you got a sign off you'd like to chuck in for us? Um, nanu Nanu something. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> How about you, Emily? Any sign offs? No, I don't, I don't have any. I was thinking, so this week we could either go with uh, Live Long and Prosper, yeah. which normally that'd be corny, but you know, I shall do none. Normally. Or what was the other one? Uh, I guess basically... Having is not so pleasing a thing as wanting. I like that one. That's a good one. Yeah. That's a good one. And the other one is sort of the, I guess, the message of this episode. If you've got a problem going on in your life, make sure you talk to your Just friends about it. Just talk it out. Don't be as tight-lipped as a Muldubran shell man. Yeah. Or was it Al Dubrin? <laughs> Al Dubrin Shellmouth, yeah. Well, should we do that one? Maybe the, the just the Al Dubrin Shellmouth bit. <laughs> As we always say at the end of our show, until next time, don't be an Al Dubrin Shellmouth. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Bye. See you next time. <laughs>